This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. Take your Bibles and let me just share with you what's on my heart for today and for times like this from 1 Samuel chapter 30. When you leave today, if you'd like, I have three brand new CDs that celebrate a very special place in my life right now. Hopefully I don't look it, but those of you that know me well, if you can do your math, here's what you've determined. I've been at this for 50 years. There's a picture on the back of one of these CDs that proves that. When I was 10 years old, I sang my first song at a Texas camp meeting not that far away from here, over in Weatherford, and I've been at it ever since. And so we put together this CD called the 50th Anniversary Songs of the Journey, the song I just did along with about 17 more are on here. We put together a CD that contains songs that other gospel artists have recorded that I've been the, been the writer of and had the privilege of writing. And then we put together a CD that's got something out of antiquity known as the Redback Hymnal. Anybody remember the Redback Hymnal? Well, they put one in my hand and said, sing a bunch of those. And so I went into the recording studio and recorded a bunch out of the Redback Hymnal. Then they looked at me and said, what else do you know that's old? I said, anything I've written. So they said, sing a bunch of those. So we put together three CDs to celebrate my 50th anniversary in gospel music. Brand new book called The Speed of Favor. I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Ladies, just for you, Paul has written a new devotional book. Listen to the title of this. This book is called Potholes, Stinky Stuff, and Thin Blankets. Now, what kind of book is that? Well, the byline is The Smiles That Take Us Home. There's a lot of humor in this book. I asked Paula one day, I said, what, is, what does the title even mean? She said, well, we've been in ministry for a lot of years, and she said, there's been a lot of potholes. I said, that's right. She said, uh, in ministry, there's just a lot of stinky stuff that happens. I said, that's right, too. She said, in all the cheap hotels you put us in, there's been a lot of thin blankets. I said, darling, just go write your book. Go write your book. So here's what we're going to do. They're all out there. They're just $10 a piece. You can have all five of those items for $25, and we're going to put that in church planting. God has blessed us in the church of God, and in the last three and a half years, we've seen 1,000 churches planted throughout North America. Can you say praise the Lord for that? So that's what we're going to do with your gifts today. You know, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of people asking questions today, a lot of people concerned today, as you can imagine. And I just felt like coming to this beautiful church today, knowing that you would be live streamed and possibly before this day is over, at least hundreds may be viewing this service. And I want to speak to you that are here, but I also want to speak to anyone that may be watching today and just basically give you what I call a strategy of what to do in times like this. Can I begin by saying that 
As difficult as these days may seem, the world has seen difficult days before. Most of us here today were around in different seasons of history when difficult times came and when those things happened, people would sit around and scratch their heads and wonder, what do we do now? But here's what I've come to understand. God always comes through. He is faithful. He's not caught off guard. He's never caught by surprise. And he knows exactly where we are today. And I want to take an old story right out of the Word of God, of course, from 1 Samuel chapter 30 that talks about David before he was ever king. David was a leader of soldiers. And they had been in a military campaign where they had aligned themselves with another army that typically would have been their enemy. But in order to fight a common enemy between the two, they aligned themselves temporarily. And when there came a break in that activity, David and his men returned to a place called Ziklag where they were living at the time. They were tired, weary, and exhausted. They wanted to see their family. They wanted to enjoy their homes. But they rode upon this place called Ziklag only to discover that their homes had been burned to the ground, all of their treasures had been stolen, and their family had been taken away as well. And when David thought it can't get any worse than this, it did. Because the men that he led rose up against him and said, we want a new leader. They began to conspire among themselves to kill David and raise up new leadership because David, in their opinion, was not acting fast enough to bring them revenge for all that they had lost because they too had lost everything that David had lost himself, their treasure, their homes, their families, and more. Now, what I'm about to read to you is interesting because everything that I'm about to read takes place just a few days before David would wear his first crown as king. As a matter of fact, in three days, in 72 hours, King Saul would be dead. Jonathan, David's best friend, the apparent heir to, to the throne of Saul, he would die also. And the road would be made clear for David to ascend to the throne. Just three days before his coronation, he experiences his greatest crisis. Now that brings me to just say this to you, that what you're going through is never about what you're going through. It's always about what God's bringing you to. Oh, I need to say that again. What you're going through is not about what you're going through. It's always about what you're coming to. You have destiny written over your life. God says, I know the plans for you. I know the thoughts that I think about you, thoughts to do you good and not evil, to bring you a hope and a future. But as sure as God has destiny over your life, Satan wants to stop that destiny from being fulfilled. And so there will be trials and there will be difficulties. And just before David can go to his throne and wear his first crown, he faces this crisis in his life. Let's read about it, 1 Samuel chapter 30. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. 
they had taken the women captive that were there. They didn't kill any of them, either great or small, but they carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can I tell you, there is weeping in this world today. They wept until they were exhausted in their weeping. Look at verse 6. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But look at this line. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Folks, sometimes you got to do it for yourself. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Go all the way down, please, to verse number 18. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. There it is again in verse 19. David recovered all that they had taken away. In this book that I just laid down here called The Speed of Favor, there is a chapter in that book that I call The Hellacious Middle. The Hellacious Middle. Somebody asked me, where did you get the title for that chapter? I took it from what I heard someone say one time when they said, God will allow one door in your life to be shut so that he can open another. But sometimes it's hell in the hallway. Now, I know there's better ways to say that, but I think you get the point. One door has been shut. You know that God loves you enough to open another, but... It hasn't opened yet, and you find yourself in the middle of a hallway between two doors with a swirling debris of controversy and conflict and confusion battering around your head, and you don't know what to do. That's where David was. Between David's birth and his destiny to become king, David found himself in the hallway of conflict when it seemed like everything was falling apart and he had no way to go. And you ask yourself the question, if you are there today, what do you do in times like that? What do you do in the hellacious middle? What do you do in that hallway when everything seems to be so upside down in your life? Well, let me walk you through what David did because I think it's a pattern for what we can do. Number one, he wept. So here's what you do on the worst day of your life. Sit down and have yourself a good cry. How's that for faith? How's that for positive thinking and positive preaching? Now, I can tell you it doesn't sell that book very well. And it doesn't sell CDs and DVDs very well. And it doesn't get me on Christian television very often. Because the last time I was a guest on somebody's Christian television show and made that statement was the last time I was a guest on somebody's Christian television show. Because we live in this world where they don't really want to face reality. But I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, what you know very well today, there are times when about all you can do is just sit down and weep. 
because it just all falls in on you and you just have to face the reality of who you are and what you're facing and what you're dealing with. But here's, here's what we come to understand. That's part of who we are. That's part of our DNA because God made us that way. He gave us that emotional outlet, that emotional thing where weeping is a natural part of life's process. Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. Abraham wept when Sarah died. Peter wept when he realized that he had denied the Lord. But here's what we come to understand. Weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Hallelujah. I especially love what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 4, Pastor, when he says, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Not just the fact of our infirmities, Brother John, but the feeling of our infirmity. Our infirmity has a feeling about it. Cancer has a feeling. Betrayal has a feeling. Divorce has a feeling. Denial has a feeling. But we serve a God in heaven today who doesn't just understand the facts of all of that, but he understands the feelings of it, and here's how. He came down one day in the form of man. He put on the robe of humanity and he walked the roads that we walk and he breathed the air that we breathe and he lives the life that we live. Now our privilege is that we can come boldly into the throne of grace and there we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need because he knows how we feel. Praise God. I walked into a hospital room one day to visit a man that worked on our church staff. You might remember George Stone was our church custodian back in Danville, Virginia. George had gone into the hospital, Brother Cross, for knee replacement surgery like you've had recently. I made the mistake of walking into his room one day just after they had brought him back from therapy. Oh, yeah. And the mistake I made was saying this, Hey, George, how you doing? Did he ever tell me how he was doing? I've never come so close to being cussed out as a pastor in all my life as he almost did that day. I'll never forget it. He looked at me and said, I'll tell you how I'm doing, preacher. And that's exactly how he said it. They called me preacher. He said, I'll tell you how I'm doing. He said, I thought I had pain before surgery. He said, I'm sure I had pain while it was going on. I was just knocked out and didn't know it. But he said, I, I never knew that a body could have pain like I just experienced when that therapist came in here just a few minutes ago. He said, they lifted me out of this bed, and, and when the weight of my body went down through my legs, I screamed, I yelled, I said, throw me back in that bed. But preacher, the therapist pushed me out into the floor. He said, we can't do it, Mr. Stone. You've got to take some steps today. He said, I got out there with the assistance of a walker, and I, I got to the door, and I grabbed the facing around the door. I said, I'm not going any further. It hurts too bad. But he pushed me out in the hall, and he made me take some more steps. He said, I finally just looked at him. I said, why today of all days have I got to take any steps? I said, well, what did he say, George? He said, preacher, he looked at me. He said, Mr. Stone, if we don't move these muscles today, if we don't move these ligaments today, he said, infection can set in. And if infection sets in, it'll go to your heart and kill you. And he said, Mr. Stone, here's the truth. He said, sometimes it just hurts to heal. Now, when he said that, I reached into my pocket and pulled my pen out because it was Saturday morning and I didn't have a sermon for Sunday. I started writing down, sometimes it hurts to heal. He said, what in the world are you doing, preacher? I said, George, I didn't have a sermon until you said that, but I got it now. And I got up the next day and I preached on sometimes it hurts to heal. 
And I've come to Hearst today to tell somebody sometimes it hurts to heal. But the good news is you will heal. There is a healer in the house today and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ and you may be weeping for a while but that weeping is temporary because joy comes in the morning. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Well, I feel like preaching now. Well, David was experiencing possibly the worst day of his life but what did he do? He wept but the second thing is he waited. What do you do in tough times? You weep but then you wait. Bible said that David called for the priest ephod when his men were breathing down his neck wanting him to give them a quick answer. David said, no, what we cannot yield to is a panicked reaction here. We don't need a panicked reaction. We need a prayerful response. Oh, I'm preaching better than anybody shouting here now. I hope you're catching this on live stream because I want to talk to whoever's listening right now. You know, there's a lot of panic reaction in the streets today. I think we've all seen that. But what this country needs and what this world needs is a church that will not give in to panic reaction. This world needs to see a church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that will stand up and say instead of panic reactions, we're going to give you a prayerful response. We're going to go to the Word of God. We're going to seek the face of the Lord, and He has the answer for every situation. So here's what David does. He calls for the priest ephod. He understood that with that came the 12 stone breastplate. And there were times that depending on the will of God, those stones would illuminate. And depending on how all of that happened, David and others received direction from God on what steps to take next. But here's what David understood. David understood, I've got to remove myself from those that are screaming at me, those that are pushing me to react, and I've got to get along with God. And if I can just get along with God, I'm going to ask him some questions. Question number one, shall I pursue the enemy? Question number two, if I do, are you going to go with me? And the Lord spoke and said, David, get up, dry your tears, brush yourself off, and pursue the enemy. Get your family back. Get your stuff back. And I've got a word for someone here today. You may have suffered loss, but the word of God for you today is pursue. Brush yourself off, dry your tears, straighten yourself up in your spirit, and get up and go back what and get what God has, has in store for you and what the enemy has taken away. And the good news is God is with you. And if God be for you, who or what can be against you? No weapon formed against you can prosper. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God has his hand upon his children today. So get up and pursue and reclaim what the enemy has taken away. So what do you do? You weep and you wait, but here's the third one. David worshiped. On the worst day of his life, when things couldn't get any worse, David did not lose his song. He worshiped God. You see, David was a songwriter. And here's what I think David possibly did. I think David, on the worst day of his life, begin to recall those lyrics and those lines of those old songs that he wrote in that hymn book of the Old Testament called the book of Psalms. You see, when I read this phrase that said David encouraged himself in the Lord, that says to me he must have worshipped God in a tough time. 
I don't read the word worship in that story. I don't read the word praise in that story. But I know that David did because he encouraged himself and the Lord his God. And that's exactly how encouragement comes when we praise and worship the Lord. So here's what I think David did. I think he went back into that old hymn book. And he said, I'm going to sing that song. And David began to sing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And David said, mm, I feel better now. David said, I think I'll sing another one. He turned a few pages and said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who healeth all our diseases and forgiveth all our iniquity. And David said, hmm, I feel better now. He turned a few pages and said, I think I'll sing another one. He said, while I live, I will bless the Lord. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. And David said, oh, I feel better now. I came by to tell you on the worst day of your life, get your harp out of the willow tree. Don't lose your joy. Don't lose your song. But praise God anyhow. Somebody praise him in this house. My Lord, I feel like preaching a revival now, Pastor. Don't tell the governor I may want to start a revival here tonight. Amen. You got to learn how to do that. I mean, you can sit down and weep and you can sit down and wait, but at some time you have to worship your way through this thing. I remember several years ago, back when I was still working in world missions, I walked into my office one day on a Monday. And as soon as I walk into the hallway, people begin to pounce on me with bad news. It was amazing. Somebody ran up to me and said, did you hear about the earthquake in Central America? Somebody else came down the other hallway and said, have you heard about the typhoon in Asia? Somebody else came by and said, have you heard about the economic crash in Europe? And I mean, it's just one thing right after the next. All of it hit me at one time on a Monday morning. I ran into my office and I closed the doors and I sat down and I said, dear God, what in the world is going on? And all of a sudden I began to recall where I had been the day before. Just 24 hours earlier, I was in a great church somewhere. The place was full of worshiping people. The choir was full of singers that couldn't go down because the place was so full and they were singing. And, and I got up that morning and I preached on praise and worship. I had all the one-liners down, and I threw a huh in between every one line just to prove I was Pentecostal. I said there's two times to praise God, huh, when you feel like it and when you don't, huh. I said you can praise or you can pout, huh. You can sing or you can sigh, huh. You can magnify or you can moan, huh. My daddy used to do that. I never could figure that out, but dad always did that. And I was doing all of that. And I hit this thing about David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And I got to describing what David did and how he danced before the Lord with all of his might. And I made this statement. I'll never forget it. I made this statement. I said, folks, 
there's still deliverance in the dance. When I said that, the choir behind me started moving. The crowd in front of me started moving, making dance steps and dance moves in the spirit. The only one not dancing was me, and I preached it. So I said, hey, you started this party. You might want to join in. I don't remember, brother, what I did. I moonwalked or I, I did the skip. I don't know what I did, but we had a Holy Ghost time. But 24 hours later, in my office, I didn't feel any of that. I'm sitting there worried about everything going on in the world. And I said, God, what am I going to do? And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost spoke to me as clear as a bell. He said, what did you preach yesterday? I said, well, you know what I preached. I hope you were there. I said, I preached on you can praise your way out of a problem and sing your way out of sorrow and worship your way out of worry. And I'm telling you, John Back, he said to my soul, do that now and do it here in this office. I said, here in this office? I said, we don't act like that here in Cleveland, Tennessee. They'll think I'm crazy. I've got people outside waiting to come in here and see me, and they'll think I've lost my mind. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, well, your way's not working very well. I said, you're right. And I made up my mind I was going to worship God right there in the office. And here's what I did. I pushed myself back, looked at both doors. I had one on that side and one on this side. I made sure they were shut and locked. I did a 360 in my chair to make sure no one had snuck in on me to see me. And I stood up out of my seat and I started disco dancing right there in my office. All these young people on this front row don't have a clue what disco dancing even is. Anybody remember 1978 John Travolta? Staying alive, staying alive. BGs, Beach Boys, who was it? Staying alive. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say I stood up and started disco dancing, here's what I mean. I stood up and raised this leg and said, this one go here and this go here and this one go here and this one go here. I felt like a fool. I didn't have any music. I didn't have any rhythm. But the longer I did it, the better I felt. I want to tell you I feel foolish doing it here today. But the longer I praise him, the better I feel. I came back to Texas to tell somebody, don't lose your shout and don't lose your praise. On the worst day of your life, you can still worship God in your soul. Somebody, somebody praise him in this house. Pardon me while I shout. I just felt the Holy Ghost right there. Well, praise God. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost here now. What time's lunch, Pastor? I got to catch a plane at three. Oh, you're bringing it in, aren't you? You told me that. What do you do in the hellacious middle when the walls are closing in? You weep, you wait, you worship, but here's the kicker. You go to war. Passivity will get you nowhere. You can ignore it all day long, but it'll be there tomorrow if you don't face it. At some point in time, David knew I've got to take these men back into battle with the Lord on our side. So they quit crying. 
they brushed themselves off. And David said, come on, boys, let's go get our children. Let's go get our wives. Let's go get our treasure. And we'll rebuild our home. Listen, David was not motivated by a burned-down house. He was not motivated by stolen treasure. He was motivated by the fact that his family had been taken away. And David said, enough is enough. I need to tell you today our families are at stake. Oh, don't, don't make me start going too deep here. Our crisis most of the time is about our family. And at some point in time, we have to be motivated for our family's sake to go to war. That's why there's so much in this Bible about spiritual warfare. And the weapons, Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That phrase, pulling down, means the literal obliteration of. We don't compromise with strongholds, we pull them down. And Paul said we wear the helmet of salvation to protect our thought life. The breastplate of righteousness to keep our hearts pure. The girdle of truth for integrity's sake. Our shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace to steady our steps and for a sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we hide behind the shield of faith because this is war. I've got to stop. I'm going too long, but I want to tell you something. The greatest lesson I ever learned about warfare, I learned on an airplane at 33,000 feet in the air one day. I got on a plane, I think I was coming to Texas. And I had my Bible out in the middle of the tray in front of me. Had a Diet Coke, a little 60 calorie pack of salted pretzels and a drunk man passed out right beside me. And I had my Bible there, 33,000 feet in the air on my way here to Texas and I'm reading that old story about King Jehoshaphat. He had his back against the wall. He didn't know what to do because three kingdoms had converged together to come up against him at one time. And this little preacher boy, a young man by the name of Jehaziel who stood on the shoulders of four generations of priests in his family. He said, I've heard from God and I need to relay a message to you. And Jehaziel said to King Jehoshaphat, here's the message. Suit up and show up. Put your armor on and here's where you need to go. But when you get there, understand the enemy will have already been defeated. Because this is not your fight. This battle belongs to the Lord. At 33,000 feet in the air, when I read that, I moved into a different zone. I don't know what happened to me, but when I came to myself, I had spilt my Diet Coke. The drunk man beside me had awakened, and he was brushing off pretzel salt from his sleeve. So help me, Pastor. He leaned over to me and said, Are you from another country or something? I took by that I'd been speaking in tongues. But here's what happened. I read that story and the Lord spoke to me and he said, son, here's, here's the deal about warfare. You have to face it. 
you don't have to fight it. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that one more time. There's somebody here this morning needs to hear that word. You may have to face it, but you don't have to fight it. David wept, he waited, he worshiped, and he went to war, but he understood that God was with him. And I need to remind somebody here on a Sunday morning in Hearst, you need to know before you walk out those doors today, the Lord has already gone before you and the battle is in his hands and the victory is won and we're coming out on top of this thing. Somebody say praise the Lord. And here's the last one. He wept, he waited, he worshiped, he went to war, but he won. Let me tell you something. One week ago today, I was driving all over Jerusalem. All week long, I'd been in the Galilee area, had about 80 people with me. We were touring through Israel just before they shut things down over there. I stood on the temple steps. I stood high overlooking the Valley of Jezreel, Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. I stood where Simeon held Jesus in his arms as a baby. I stood in Caiaphas', Caiaphas house where Jesus spent his last night before he went to the cross. I went all over that beautiful land. Everywhere I went, there was something prophetic that just reached out to me. But I walked away from that place understanding one thing. When it's all said and done, the children of God are victorious. I saw that the tomb is empty. I saw that Jesus was victorious on the cross. We shouted as we sailed across the Sea of Galilee where the storm was supposed to take the disciples under. And I got on that plane to come home and I leaned back and went to sleep and the last thought on my mind was the children of God are going to win. So if this is the worst day of your life, if you find yourself in the hellacious middle of life, you need to understand you are a conquering champion through the Lord Jesus Christ. Coronavirus, are you kidding me? You know what that word even means? The crown virus. Oh, I got news for you. There is a king who's wearing a crown today who's never known defeat, and he never will know defeat, and the people of God are entwined with him as a bride and a groom, and we are under his divine covering. And I feel divine health moving through this place right now. Somebody raise your hands and praise him in this house. Praise him in this house. Father, I'm going to stop right now because it's, it's just a little bit afternoon and I need to quit.
But I sense, Lord, that you are speaking to my spirit. You're speaking to my heart today. That victory belongs to the children of God. Stand with me, please, in this house, will you? Ah. I want to tell you something. If the devil could have killed us, he'd have killed us a long time ago. If he could have stopped the church, he'd have stopped us a long time ago. But I hear the Lord Jesus Christ say, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now don't, don't make me don't make me start speculating here. But if there is one thing the devil would like to do with all of this, he'd like to shut us down. And I know we have to be filled with caution and use wisdom, and we are, and I get all of that. But you know what pastors are doing all over this world today? In places where they have congregations that couldn't meet like you are today, they didn't just say we're going to take the day off and twiddle our thumbs and not give God his day of worship. They said we're going to find ways to preach the gospel. We're going to find ways to continue to do ministry. And if the enemy thinks this is going to stop the work of God and the forward motion of the church of God, he's lost his mind. I'm going to make not a prediction, but a prophecy. Pastor, I believe, as I said in a video earlier this week, this is our moment for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to stand up and proclaim to this waiting, needing world Jesus is still the answer. He's still the healer of all our sicknesses and all our diseases. By his stripes we are healed. And we're going to open wide the doors of the church and the arms of love of the church. And I believe the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to experience its greatest revival that we've seen possibly in centuries. Watch it happen. Watch it happen. Watch it happen. Lift your hands here. Now, Father, we're going to be cautious and we're going to be obedient to our governing authorities today. So I'm not going to ask anybody to touch anybody and we're not going to join hands and we're not going to do those kinds of things that Pentecostals like to do. But Lord, we are going to lift our hands. And I'm going to ask you to take your hand that bore my sicknesses, your body that bore my grief, your flesh that bore my sorrow. And I'm gonna ask you to slip your hand into mine, Lord, and give me a confident touch today that it is well with my soul. Give me a confident touch today that you still have the answer to every circumstance and every situation. Father, I pray that throughout this auditorium today that the power of the Holy Ghost would come upon us and strengthen us and quicken us in our heart and in our spirit 
Oh, I tell you what, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now, somebody. Somebody ought to just raise your hands high and just give him praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. My Lord, do you sense the glory of God in this house? Do you sense the presence of God in this house? Oh, I'm telling somebody, you've already won the victory. You've already won the battle. It's already yours. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, lift your hands and praise him in the spirit. Praise him in the Holy Ghost right now. Praise him in the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, my blessed God in heaven. My blessed God in heaven. Lord, we bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Pastor, I want to be careful this morning. I want to tell you the Spirit of the Lord's in this house. There's somebody here today, you've been waiting on this moment. This is your breakthrough moment. I don't even know what to tell you to do. I'm trying to walk that fine line here. So I'm just going to do it this way, right there where you stand. Nobody has to touch you. You don't have to be surrounded by people. But I want to tell you the angels of the Lord are encamping about you right now. They really are. I, I can almost see it in the spirit. The angels, the heavenly host are encamping about them that love God. Somebody's being healed right now. Somebody like this brother was testifying earlier. Somebody's being filled with the Holy Ghost right now. You ought to just lift your hands and begin to speak in that heavenly language right now. Hallelujah. You know what? You know what just came back to my mind? I remember being in this church, in that other building, somewhere in the early 80s to mid 80s. We had had revival all that week. And I remember on a Sunday morning, Pastor, it broke loose. And if memory serves me correctly, we didn't leave the church that afternoon until about three o'clock and came back that night for some more. I'm not proposing we're gonna do that today. So don't worry. But I'm just telling you, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Different day, different time, different music, different style, I get all of that. But I wanna tell you, the same God that's in your DNA from your history, that's the same Holy Spirit that I feel moving through these aisles and around this church right now. I don't even know what to tell you to do. The power of the Holy Ghost is broken in here. I'm, I'm going to take about two minutes. I'm going to take about two minutes, Pastor. And I'm just going to walk around here and pray a little bit. And if you feel like the Spirit of God has been released in your heart, why don't you just walk around some? Just walk these aisles, walk up and down that aisle, and just do what you feel like doing. Stand right there where you are with lifted hands, but I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is in it. Let's praise Him right now. Come on, let's praise Him. Let's worship Him. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We bless your name. We magnify your name. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Oh, there he is. There he is. Amen. Amen. Praise be God. Praise be God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory, Lord Jesus. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Oh, I'm telling you, there's a healer in the house. There's a healer in the house. Oh, that's right. Do what you feel like doing. Do what you feel like doing. Worship him, somebody. Worship him, somebody. In the name of Jesus, 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 we bless you, Lord. Oh, come on, somebody, break forth in praise to Him. Break forth in praise to Him. Break forth in praise to Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, break forth in praise to him right now. Break forth in praise to him. <laughs> oh, praise God. Pastor, I don't really know what to do. I'm telling you, the glory of God's in this house. Could I just ask you one more time before Pastor comes? Lift your hands and just give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise in this house. We bless you, oh Lord. We bless you, Lord. I feel, I feel compelled to ask you to just pray this prayer with me. Lift your hands and say, Lord, I belong to you. My life, my heart, my soul. Every concern, every passion, every problem, I yield it to your care right now. And by the blood of Jesus and the word of the Lord, I put it all in your hands and I trust you with it now. In Jesus' name, it is done. Amen and amen. Now clap your hands to the Lord, somebody. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 645 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you, and God bless.